Welcome back to the Sunday session. The dust is just beginning to settle on a very interesting round nine. My name is Chris Kennedy. With me, as always, is Sunday session co-host Kenny Scott and also NRL.com senior reporter Brad Walter. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, um, Chris, for having us. Kenny, how are you? Always a pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me as well. As always. Well, let's get straight into some round nine action as we sit here. We've just watched. Well, I, I kind of, if you told me the Dragons were going to beat a manly side missing Tom Travoyevic, Adam Fanua, Blake, Dylan Walker, etc. Uh, at home, I could have believed it. If you told me the score was going to be 34 to 4, I would not have believed you. Boys, what have we just seen? Brad, I'll start with you. What is doing? Oh, I think, um, I think the Dragons have have sort of worked out how to play since um, when they first came back from the suspension of the season. They looked at, they were a bit out of sorts. Um, it took them a couple of weeks. Um, ben Hunt was moved to the interchange bench to play that dummy half rock. Now he's starting it at hooker. Cameron McGuinness is still there. He's playing the lock role. He still makes a lot of ta- uh, a lot of tackles. And I think their combinations on the edges, I think they've worked out that... Um, that uh, Pereira and Ravalawa are their, um, are their probably the best two wingers. Um, and Zach Lomax is, is adjusting for the centre role. I thought Zach was um, uh, Zach Lomax had a had a, a big impact on this game tonight, and he's a player that's really highly rated. And probably um, you know people have you know quite rightly or fairly been saying you know he's he maybe he hasn't been living up to the hype. Um, but I, I think we're starting to see what Zach Lomax can do, and um, and Dufty, Matt Dufty, is really sort of starting to thrive with the, the type of football that the Dragons are playing now with Hunt at dummy half. Um, uh, and, yeah, I just think they just, they just, just look a lot, a lot more settled um, the, way the way they're playing. They seem to have adapted to the rhythm of it now. Kenny, what about Manly? They sort of bit the bullet and punted Ruben Garrick from fullback. Brendan Elliott came in, but I mean, at the end of the day, neither of them is Tom Travoyevic. You had sort of Daly Cherry Evans trying to do everything himself and just not a great deal was working. Yeah, you said it right at the top. And we've been saying it for weeks. Manly without Tom Travoyevic is always going to be a struggle for them to do anything to, to, to win matches. Um, you know, take out Dylan Walker, take out Adam Fanua Blake as well. That's a whole lot of talent, a whole lot of strike that's just not there. Um, uh, I think... What you mentioned, like DCE, he tries to do, he tries to do it. He tries to sort of carry it all for the team. And I think there's in this game, he was probably guilty of overplaying his hand just a little bit. I think um, there was like, uh, I think it was just before, just after halftime, when he threw, um, he made an excellent break and then threw a, his last pass to an intercept for a dufty runaway try. I think things like that uh, just didn't quite go Manly's way uh, today, but. Like you know, they're they're missing like they're missing the most influential player in the game in in, in my opinion in in Turbo, um, and they're just missing a lot of talent. So uh, it was just one of those nights for Manly. Sure was. Later wise, it brings uh, the Dragons up to six points. There's five teams level on six points. Uh, leaves Manly on eight points. One of three teams along with the Tigers and the Sharks just clinging to the cusp of that uh, eighth spot. Um, so getting a little bit tense down in that sort of jostle for the, the bottom half of the eight. The early Sunday game, um, the Eels and the Knights, uh, I have a theory that every time these two teams play, certainly in recent years, it's just scrappy and hard forward and low scoring. I remember a game that was something like 4-2 and there were missed field goals and Luke Burt missed a penalty. It's just every time these two teams get together, it seems to happen like this. Uh, Eels just ended up doing just enough in the end. Brad, what was your sort of take out of this one? It wasn't overly convincing, I didn't think, from either team, although the defence from Power probably was the difference. 
Yeah, and I think like it, it, these are the type of games that Parramatta's got to win if they're going to be a genuine premiership contender. Um, you know, they've gone up to Newcastle playing in front of, um, you know, Newcastle's small army of home fans, but still, a, you know, a, a vocal um, um, group. And it's a, it's a pretty intimidating place. And the Knights um, really love playing at home. And the Knights, um, you know, they, they gave a good account of themselves. But I think yeah, these are the type of games that Parramatta uh, has got to win. They can't win, you know, convincing. They can't win pretty. They are playing without Mitchell Moses. Let's not forget that as well. So, um, he, you know, he's a very valuable player. Um, Reid uh, Mahani, the hooker, was um, he was uh, outstanding today for them. He's, mm. you know, he's a really, really key player for, for Parramatta in, in my thoughts. I don't know what they would do if he went down. Um, but, but, yeah, I just I thought, you know, Parramatta did what they needed to do. They're still top of the table. They've only had one loss of the season. It's hard to keep winning every week, but they found a way to do it today. Kenny, the Knights, you sort of saw, you know, Mitch Pearce getting a bit frustrated, trying too much, not much was working. Kalen Ponga, um, their, their attack's just been really clunky the last few weeks, and it's, a, you know, sort of going right a lot more, but it doesn't seem to be paying off. It just, yeah, frustrating to watch at the moment. I think it was, um, it was pressure and contact on Ponga for this game really affected the Newcastle attack. He was, I mean, you're always going to target Ponga because he's an excellent player, but some of the hits, and I'm not saying there was anything wrong with him, they were all perfectly legal, but he was just targeted. Um, he, he got some heavy contact right throughout that game, and I think that really sort of just took the edge off the Newcastle attack. Um, Mitchell Pearce, in terms of effort, it was definitely there. There was a couple of weird plays. Like, I think, um, what, 20 minutes in, there was a set player for the Knights where Mitchell Pierce threw it to nobody. Like there was, yeah. Uh, well, I think Ari Tuala forgot he was supposed to be on the wing rather than at centre, yeah, and there was just was, no one there. Yeah, some, some odd things like that. But it, you're right; it was a really scrappy game, and I, I, I thought this was a, a crunch game. Like if Parramatta are the real deal, then they should be able to account for the Knights. But if Newcastle are the real, are the real deal, they should be able to take it to Parramatta. And I guess it kind of. It was kind of a successful game in that regard for both teams because Parramatta won and Newcastle got pretty close. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty scrappy affair, and it did, didn't it? It felt like it was a big game to me, and maybe that was because of that that small army of Newcastle fans who like who needs crowd noise when you got those guys? They were mm. they added to the atmosphere, like at least through the TV. It sounded great, like it sounded like we had a real a real um, a real capacity at a ground for once. It felt really good. Yeah, the first game at uh, McDonald Jones Stadium since March and the uh, the crowd, such as they were, certainly made their presence felt. Um, Knights, though, they had so much ball. They, they had easily enough ball to score more than one try. And I think that's probably, as much as both teams tried hard and defended well, I think the Knights had to come up with more than uh, one try for all that ball they had. You mentioned the, the pressure on Ponga Wonga Blake on report. I didn't think it was heaps in it. It'd be interesting to see the charge seat uh, tomorrow. But that's certainly been the strategy to, to take out Newcastle in recent weeks is just load up on... Um, on Ponga at the back. Uh, anyway, we move ahead to Saturday football. Some interesting results on Saturday. The um, uh, the final game was Storm 20, Raiders 14, Brad, but probably the, the headline from this more than the result was the, the season-ending ending injury to Josh Hodgson, which is just awful news. It's a massive blow to the Raiders, isn't it? Um, Josh Hodgson's arguably, with along with Cameron Smith, the, uh, the, the number one hooker in the game. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure how the Raiders are going to overcome the loss of Josh Hodgson. I know, you know, they'll say there's other players that can step step in and fill the breach, but um, none of them are as good as Josh Hodgson, and he's such a key player. Um, they're already doing it tough. I think, you know, I believe that they're missing Bate, John Bateman big time. 
Um, yeah. I know he should be back at some stage later in the season, but um, the fact that Hodgson's gone now, I think that's that's really going to hurt them. Uh, and Bailey Simonson as well. Not, let's not forget him. He's um, he's out for the season well with the shoulder injury. So um, yeah, that's that, that was a real sort of downer watching that that game. I thought it was a it was a good uh, gritty sort of typical Melbourne Canberra game. Um, you know, Cameron Smith steered his team to victory, um, but you know Canberra. You know they showed enough to to for you to think, okay, they're a, they're going to be a premiership contender again. But um, that injury to Hodgson really sort of put a damper on the night. Confirmation from Graham Annesley on Sunday afternoon that the Sinbin decision against Bailey Simonson was incorrect. I think most people watching the game probably felt like Simonson was jostling for the ball rather than attempting to take out Josh Adokar. Um, Kenny, the Storm, though they uh, you know just keep on keeping on. You know, individual piece of brilliance from from Ryan Pappenhausen sort of blew the game open. They were maybe you know a little bit lucky in the end, but that's what the good teams do. Yeah, you're right. Pappenhausen iced it at the end with a, a fantastic solo try. But this is one of those games. Like I reckon Canberra and Melbourne, it's like the new Cowboys and Broncos. But those those classic Cowboys Broncos games are like mutual respect between teams. Canberra-Melbourne games, it's, it's, I mean, I guess there's always some level of respect, but it's kind of, there's this spite and controversy that comes out of them. And this one was no different. Like, this is probably one for the, um, for the Melbourne gets favoured conspiracy theorists, of which there are many, because um, they got some pretty, like, they're lucky calls. I mean, there's obviously, there's the Simonson um, Sinbin call. Um, and a couple of confusing ones for me. Uh, I think Melbourne had a shot clock violation for a dropout at one point, which didn't seem to, which just got, got played on. Um, but then, like, you know, Canberra also had um, some classic errors that they've got no one else to blame for themselves. There's obviously the, the CNK error for the opening try, um, which was, like, just a massive, like, how do you miss that ball? Mm. And then Whitehead, you know, drops a drops a sitter um, in terms of, yeah, all they have to do is fall over the line two centimetres earlier than he did. Um so yeah, it was it was a great game though. I thought it was had nice, nice, nice intense, and I guess we'll all have to wait for Ricky Stewart to do a nudie run, wasn't there? There was some some sort of coach nudie run bet. For I this think one, it was it was only applied to Bellamy if he lost, but uh, <laughs> I feel like it might have been a little bit tongue in cheek. But I know the Storm players are <laughs> relieved they don't have to watch uh, Bellamy doing the laps of the Sunshine Coast Resort that they're up in anyway. Um, you know, ladder wise, that moves the Storm up to third. Canberra, one of those teams clinging on there currently in seventh. Um, pretty interesting game just before that, the five thirty game, uh, Brisbane and Canterbury. I actually tipped. Canterbury, I think purely just because tipping against Brisbane has been working a treat recently, but um, Brisbane, you know, to their credit story during the week that, you know, player power, they're going to sort of take a bit more ownership of things, how they approach the week. Brad, did you read a lot into this, a lot of talk about, you know, Siebes taking a step back or was it, you know, a little bit sort of overblown? No, I read into it that, um, I read into it that it's the modern day bonding session. You know, teams lost six games in a row. Coaches have been trying everything. Players, to me, they look like they're guilty of um, trying too hard uh, in, in a couple of their matches. Um, you know, we had guys in tears after the game the week before. So, Anthony needed to do something to try and relieve the pressure of his players to try and get them enjoying football again because we know what a talented group of players they are. And, you know, in the good old days, um, that would have, what they would have done is they all would have gone to the pub and, um, and, and they would have probably got, they would have got drunk and... Uh, spoke some home truths and they would have gone back to training the next day and, and got on with it, got on with it with a, I suppose, a new attitude. Um, 
what they do these days is they go and play golf together or they go surfing together and they they it's the same concept though it's like when Wayne Pierce took the New South Wales State of Origin team horse riding that was again to get away from you know first sessions uh, uh, so he wanted to try something new so they did, a, did horse, a horse riding thing and I think it worked the players looked a bit they looked a bit more relaxed they trained from all reports of training um, after that they were joking around it was pretty light-hearted at training and they went out there and they played like they were enjoying their football again and I so I, I thought it was a, it's a good move by Anthony Seabold. There was a bit of, uh, you know, people were ridiculing it, I suppose, um, in the lead up to the match um, because, you know, they, the team's been going so so poorly and they were saying, so what, the coach has run out of ideas now. He's given the keys to the Ferrari, to the, um, you know, or the lunatics are running this island. But I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. And, um, you know, six games, in six losses in a row, their luck had to turn at some stage. Yeah, the old bonding session. It's all fun and games until someone falls off a horse and breaks their arm. Kenny, the fact that it is just the Bulldogs, can is this a bit of a false dawn for Brisbane? It'd be certainly premature to say they're, they're out of the hole. No, they're, they're definitely not. That's, that's the challenge now is backing up this performance against a more, and we are being dis- disrespectful to the Bulldogs, but a more um, just uh, stronger opposition. And I just hope that the Broncos don't go into the next game thinking that it's all going to happen so easily for them again. Not that, not that it happened easily in this game, but it was just a game where it started to click. You could see, as you said before, like they, they were playing like they didn't have any pressure on them. Um, but the thing is, because they'll give them, they'll give them permission to, I guess, not have pressure. Cool, the pressure's been released. Go out and have fun and all that sort of stuff. Great, it worked. But now they've won. The pressure's right back on because that win is meaningless unless they back it up again. So it will be interesting to see how they. Yeah, how they come back from, from, sorry, how they continue on with this new winning run that they found. Um, but it, it, it really did look like a different team. Like they were, they looked happy. And I think that's, um, that's probably the most important thing because the way they were last week and the last couple of weeks, it just, it just looks like, looked like a really sad team. Um, and I think just the ending of, if, if um, I think at the end of last year, the Broncos released a video of like a day in the life of Anthony Seabold. And it started with him leaving the house at like 4am going to do training in the gym and video sessions and blah, blah, blah. And I had the whole day. And it just looked like looking at that now in the context of where the Broncos, what the Broncos have been through, it just looks like, wow, that looks like a really intense environment. Um, and I think, yeah, just having a week of not being in that pressure cooker really, really, really um, helped the team. But yeah, it was only the Bulldogs. Um, and what, are they, what they do next week, I think, is probably more important than what they've done now. It was nice to see. I thought um, Pat Carrigan had probably close to his best game in first grade. Tavita Pangai, who can be absolute rocks or diamonds, uh, brought the diamonds, really relished that move into the front row and had a huge say on the game. Um, Tessie New, who we saw make his test debut for, for Tonga last year, was fantastic at fullback. He could be potentially the long-term solution there. Um, before we move on to the early game, Brad, any final thoughts on the Bulldogs? A lot of talk that um, Dean Pays under pressure could be gone. Um, either the end of the year or if not sooner, the, the team's just not clicking at all. I just think it, um, a decision on Dean Pay's future needs to be made, I suppose, sooner rather than later. I don't know whether it's this week or next week. Um, there's a lot of support for Dean Pay. I think, you know, he's everybody understands that um, he inherited a team that had um, some big roster issues, some salary cap problems, and the Bulldogs going forward from this season onwards uh, are um, probably going to be in a strong position to be able to get out and recruit and sign players. And that's why they need to make a decision, though. It's got to be, you know, it's Dean Pays the coach and let's get out and sign some players. 
um, or we're going in a different direction and uh, we're going to appoint another coach and then we'll get out and sign some players. But I think the Bulldogs are going to struggle to recruit players until um, until people know who their team, who the coach is. I don't know whether, um, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do and I don't know what they should do. Um, but, you know, is there a better coach out there than Dean Pay that the Bulldogs can attract? Uh, again, I, I don't know. They're the sort of decision things they've got to think about. And also, um, you know, his relationship with, with the, the current group of players that they've got, I don't, I haven't heard anything to suggest that there's there's any issues there as well. So, um, you know, it might just be that they need to back Dean Pay and then, you know, go out and, and, and bolster their roster. We do have the Delhi in points for the first six games of the round. It was um, one point went to Tessie New, the fullback two went to Anthony Milford, who was much improved, the three uh, went to and probably had to go to Tavita Pangai, fantastic impact up front, uh, which does remind me I didn't read out the votes for the previous game, so Storm and Raiders. Uh, Jack Whiten got a point. I thought he was immense in a losing side at 5'8", probably fair enough there. Cameron Smith, the hooker, got two points. Ryan Pappenhausen for his all-round involvement got the three points. Now, through to the early Saturday, game. Kenny, I'll start with you. I don't even know what to make of this one. 80 points scored across 80 minutes, a point per minute for the game. Um, a debutante scoring four tries. Uh, it was all happening. Yeah, you're right. What a, what a weird game. So it was like this game was over. Before, like it, Sorry, it felt like it was over before it had begun uh, at what, 26 nil, 26 nil after 28 minutes, something like that. And then um, the Sharks scored two quick tries before halftime to give it a, a 14 point gap and you think oh okay this is suddenly becoming a bit of a close game and then it seemed like everybody scored 80 points out in the second half like on, on both sides as well it was it was just a, a weird game um, I, I think the score doesn't flatter either side so like the fact that the um, the fact that the Panthers led in or 24 points I don't think they'll be very proud of and then of course the fact that the Sharks led in 56 is obviously um, uh, something to really be concerned about but Outside of that, the the somewhat soft defence, man, the Panthers look good, don't they? Like, they look like every single player on that team looks like they're about seven feet tall and really, really strong and really, really fast. I don't know if it's just an optical illusion, but they just look like a powerful team. Um, and I was, I've never been one, I always thought that, uh, you know, sooner or later the wheels will fall off the Panthers, although sort of, I always put them at, like, bottom of the, like, from position six to eight rather than positions one to four, sorry, five to eight rather than one to four. Um, and I think that this team, this game to me said, um, I'm going to have to recalibrate my expectations of them because uh, they're a pretty slick team. Brad, Panthers real deal and Sharks with a, that three game winning run they were on, was that a bit of a false form line just given who they had to beat in the, the previous three games? Well, they certainly hadn't played anyone of the caliber of the Panthers. And I was at this game um, the Panthers are, they're a very, very good team. They're, they're absolutely um, premiership contenders. They've only lost one game all season as well, them and, uh, and Parramatta. So, um, you know, I know they've been flying under the radar, but really that they're a terrific team. Api Corusau, um gives them so much out of dummy half. Nathan Cleary is really reveling in the fact that he's now the guy that directs the team around and he's, doing it um, so comfortably, I'd have to say. Um, and D Dylan Edwards is terrific at fullback. He's really um, hit his straps. He's back to his, his best football. Um, they've got just young kids who, you know, one drops out and another one comes in or one gets dropped. This is the Penrith team that we've been hearing about for years. A bunch of young kids, especially in the back line, 
long, young local kids who've grown up playing together um, in, in various, um, you know, Jersey flag SG ball teams that have come through the grade, um, which is where Charlie Staines came from. He scored four tries. He was the Jersey flag player of the year. He played SG ball with Matt Burton. They came down from out, from out west together two years ago, um, you know, and there just seems to be so many of these kids, um, and Billy Burns being another one, um, it's terrific. And then they've got, oh, I reckon they've got a great forward pack, you know, um, James Tarmel's in, in excellent form, James Fisher-Harris, uh, uh, Isaiah Yo is playing great football, um, but, you know, Coruscant's the key to it all. Um, and they just blew Cronulla off the park, and then I think they took their foot, their um, foot off the pedal for a little bit, let Cronulla back in, and then they came out in the second half and effectively did the same thing again. Alien votes for this one, James Fisher-Harris. One point, probably arguably could have had a point pretty much any game this year. He's been unbelievably consistent. Um, four tries on debut is good enough to get you two points uh, for Charlie Staines. And then Dylan Edwards, who you just spoke about, uh, having a, a terrific um, month or two of form, got the, uh, the three votes, which takes us through to Friday night. Uh, Kenny, your Tigers, um, <laughs> a little bit of deja vu here, tried hard, uh, lots of effort couldn't get the result so this game was the reverse of what we've seen for the tigers consistently up to this point which is usually they are really tough and and um they're just really tough and in it and gritty for about 60 minutes and that final 20 lets them down this game was a complete reverse they were like pretty awful for 60 minutes at least in terms of possession um and then sort of came awake in the last 20 after it was all too late I, I need to confess something to you guys. I um, I stopped watching this game at halftime because I was too nervous. It was stressing me out too much, and I had to go, I had to watch the replay the next day because I think it was ten nil at halftime, and I was like, I know I know what's going, I know what's happening here. I don't need to know. I don't need to live it. I'm just going to look at the time, look at the score at full time, and then watch the game back after there. Um, and I'm actually kind of glad I didn't because it just would have been like a, a hell a hell ride of, of anxiety and stress. So. Um, I think this game, like after watching it back, I, I reckon the scoreline really flattered the Tigers because it was 18-0 at one point, which is, and that was, um, with, I think the, the, the Bunnies missed a, a bunch of conversions as well, so it should have been higher. I think that's a really, really disappointing um, result for the Tigers. They've been working so hard to be a team that doesn't concede that amount of points. Always, they've been, this season, like uh, heavy on defence. And I think to let South, who's not, a, like, South are not a bad team by any stretch, but they've not been a team since resumption that has really, you know, been clicking. They've sort of been out of sorts a bit. Um, so I think it was a great game for South and a really poor game for the Tigers, if I'm, I'm going to be frank. Uh, I just don't know what they're going to do from here because, uh, what, Josh Reynolds is facing suspension for kick, kicking Campbell Graham in the head, I think, yep. um, accidentally. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just don't know what they do. So I, and I think they've got the Broncos next week. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty big game for both teams. So, you know, all I can do is cross my fingers, hey? Brad, Kenny, that, that was just spoken like a West Tiger, true West Tigers. <laughs> this was a game I couldn't take my eyes off, but I thought this was a um, gripping game of football. Um, there was plenty of drama, plenty of action, um, plenty of intensity and uh, ill feeling between the players. Um I, yeah, I just thought you just wanted to keep watching. You didn't know what was going to happen next. Um, I think that the Tigers are missing um, Joey Lolua, um big time. They're just that 
strike they had had on that edge with um, Mofaluma that was missing. You know, or, you know they had um, Chris Lawrence playing out in the centres. Um, all the, all the tries were scored down that side as well, weren't they? Where Joey would have been. Uh, but yeah, there, there were some down there. Definitely, um, I don't know if they were all scored down there. But um, I thought also thought it was intriguing sitting there waiting and thinking, when's Ma- Michael Maguire going to put Benji back? Mm. Or ben- when's he going to play? Put Benji on? How is he going to use him? And I actually thought that when Benji came on, that the game turned in the Tigers' uh, favour. And I'm not yeah. going to say have brought him out earlier, but I thought he made a real impact. And with Josh Reynolds being suspended this week, then um, there's obviously an opening there for Benji. And I think um, he'll give the Tigers a, a much needed spark. But I thought it was a great game of football. Um, you know, that's a, it's, a, it's a traditional rivalry between those two clubs and, and they played that way. And, you know, they've both come out of it with, um, you know, with some key players being suspended. But um, yeah, that's because it meant so much to the, to the guys. Yeah, that Reynolds suspension certainly takes away the decision for Michael Maguire as to what to do with Benji next week. You'd imagine he'd just be straight back into the number six jersey. Uh, Latrell facing, or I think has accepted the early plea uh, two weeks out for that swinging arm in retaliation on uh, Josh Reynolds. It does move the Bunnies up to sixth, Tigers in eighth for now. Dally M votes for this one. Josh Alloye, uh, who's been pretty consistent in the front row this year, one point. Uh, Dane Gagai was fantastic on the wing, two points for him. And Adam Reynolds, uh, three points, a little general um, was a, a big contributor to that bunnies win taking us through to the early um, Friday game uh, Titans and the Warriors 16-12 to the Titans at 12-0 the Warriors Kenny I thought that uh, it's going to be a very long afternoon for the Titans but the Warriors just seem to really um, I don't know if they got overconfident or took their foot off the gas or just you know forgot you know how to stick to their game plan but the Titans to their credit stuck in it and, and managed to you know jag the win late in the piece yeah, I think all Warriors fans, players, staff will be really wondering what, what happened to that game. And I think every now and then when, when points come too easy too early, it, it changes, it can affect teams. And I'd say teams that it would affect would be teams like the Warriors. And I hate to say teams like the Tigers as well, where they think, okay, this one might be easier than we had prepared for. We can probably relax a little. Um, and I say, like, well done to the Titans as well for, like, resting control of that game back in their favour. Like, Momentum's a, a weird, intangible thing that once it runs away from you, you kind of it's really hard to get back. Um, and it definitely was was not with them in the in the um, you know the first period of that game. So uh, I thought it was. It probably says more about the Titans than it does about the Warriors. Uh, I think it was unfortunate that the Warriors' Bush jersey debut um, came at the back of a loss. Mm. So I don't know if that jersey is going to be coming back. Um, the old picnic rug, I think is what they're calling it. I liked um, it. But otherwise, you know, well done to the Titans. Yeah, I, I liked it as well. Something different. Mm. But yeah, um, well done to the Titans for, for jagging the win. Brad, uh, good signs, I guess, for Justin Holbrook. But um, Warriors, a golden chance to go four and three since the resumption. They would have been uh, level with the other uh, team sort of on equal eighth if they'd won this one. Yeah, and I was disappointed they lost wearing the jersey too because people were ridiculing it. But I, I really like it, so... Um, I, I want to see them wear it again. Um, yeah, look, the Warriors just lost their way, didn't they? And, and look, Roger Tuivasa-Shek made a couple of characteristic, uncharacteristic mistakes um, for a player of his calibre. I think maybe he was just trying a bit too hard to do something to to um, to get his side home. But yeah, full marks to the Titans. I, I feel like that they are building something under Justin Holbrook, you know, and especially if they are able to sign a player of 
like David Fafita, and they've obviously got some ambitions with their recruitment. But, um, uh, you know, they lost Ash Taylor um, during the game, and um, Fogarty just really stepped up and took control yeah. of the game. And that's a, a really positive sign for the Titans going forward that they've got a, a young playmaker uh, of that calibre who, who can do that. So um, I thought there were some, some good signs there for the Titans. Um, you know, it was a, not the greatest um, or the best match of the weekend, but um, they did what they needed to do to get the win. Super impressive young prop, Mo Fodawaka, uh, one Daly M vote from this one. Tyrone Peachy off the bench made an impact and got the two, and then Corey Thompson, the mid-season recruit, uh, three points for him. He's uh, always very high on effort. Takes us back to the first game of the round, Thursday night footy. Um, Cowboys started okay in this one. Um, Roosters very, very sloppy early, but once they found their groove, um, just absolutely ran away with it. Matty Cavallo, the first Roosters player to score five tries since 1955, I believe. Kenny, anyone? wasn't even in the team until five minutes before kickoff. Yeah, pretty amazing stuff. I think as as NRL fans, and we should be pretty angry at the Cowboys for this one because the Roosters, are, uh, we've been saying it for ages, are clearly head and, head and shoulders above the rest, maybe Melbourne on their day. Some, but they, they need to be stopped at certain points when they're vulnerable. Um, and this game, like, if there was ever a time to beat the Roosters, this was the game. Like you said, they were really sloppy in the opening 20 they lost um, Brett Morris in the warm-up. They lost, like, Jake Friend at one point. They lost um, JWH for a period. Like, they were, they were, the game was there for the Cowboys to take. And somehow, they didn't just, like, miss taking it. They, like, gave it back to them and then some. Like, they just, it was a complete capitulation in the second half. What happened? I'm not a Cowboys fan, but, like, I, that game, watching that game made me so angry because it should have been such... It should be such a better game than that because the Cowboys are better than that and the Roosters were just not on their game that day. And that was, yeah, like I said, if there was ever a time that someone was going to beat the Roosters, then that was it. And the Cowboys just did not deliver at all. They would be pretty upset with that. And, um, yeah, like it just, just just disappointing. But, you know, take nothing away from the Roosters because, like you said, 20 minutes are sloppy. Then eventually they clicked into gear, even missing, you know, a whole host of stars, blah, blah, blah. And they just smashed them. So well done to Roosters, and it just goes to show the strength of that team. Right. Yeah, the Cowboys, they may as well have just stayed in the sheds at halftime. It was, um, you know, up until just before halftime, that they were right in that game. Uh, maybe they were just hanging on, but they were right in that game. And then in the second half, they just were nowhere. Um, but there's obviously some, you know, some issues. It's going to put some pressure on Paul Green. Again, you know, call into question his coaching. Um well, his, his future there as, as the Cowboys coach. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, it was it's just stunning to sit sit back and watch. All you could do was applaud um, yeah. the Roosters. That procession of, you know, try after try after try was incredible. Um, you know, but yeah, look, the, and the, it does show the depth of the Roosters, doesn't it? They've got, they have, they've been able to play, you know, play teams without, with missing key players. Um, losing players in the warm-up, losing players to temperature tests um, before matches, you know, and still manage to win, uh, to keep winning. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt they are the team to beat. They're the benchmark. And, um, they, yeah, Trent Robinson's doing a fantastic job to, um, to keep this team motivated. 
they are looking very ominous. The Delhi M votes from this one. Luke Keary, the 5'8 with one vote. Uh, Angus Crichton, who's been terrific in the back row with two. And Matt Ikuvalu, I guess you score five tries, you've got to get the three votes, don't you? So the three for the um, the reserve winger who came in and um, stole the show. Uh, we are running out of time, but I will mention that uh, on NRL.com at midday on Monday, we have the annual players poll results going up. You may have seen some of the results. Uh, our former colleague, Michael Champy chamis on uh, the footy show, uh, hinting at a, a few things to come out in that one. Um, I can tell you that the top five nominees, as voted by the um, current you know, group of NRL players who are all surveyed, um, top five results for best player in no particular order, James Tedesco, Cameron Smith, Mitch Moses, Jason Tamalolo, and Tom Travojevic. Some pretty handy names in that one. Um, all the other um, player poll results, best position, you know, best coach and, um, you know, thoughts on the, the state of the game and everything else uh, midday on NRL.com on Monday. Gentlemen, that's all we've got time for, but um, thanks once again for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us, Chris.